Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast number 26. On this episode, I'm joined with Chris Metting from Castoni's Tractor, uh, Jake Bryce from Midwest Machinery, and Brent Bowen from AHW. Today we're going to discuss the corn harvest and soybean harvest throughout the corn and soybean belt. And we're also going to look at uh, the auction market and uh, look at what 2018 will, will look like for uh, for these guys here. So, uh, guys, welcome to the podcast. Happy to be here. Thanks for having us. I appreciate it. So, a lot of things happening right now. Of course, it's the end of the year. Um, a lot of guys physical end of years here, and, and then there's also a little thing called harvest taking place. So, Chris, when you take a look at what's happened with your harvest, what do you see happening out there, and how has the progress been so far? Okay. Um, you know, in our area, so we're in northwest Indiana, um, covering a five-store uh, location. Um you know, we're 90% corn and beans, and our harvest is, is taking a while to, to get accomplished. Our northern territory is um, is very much ahead of our central territory, and our southern area is, is even farther ahead. So we've got a lot of beans being cut in the middle area, but our uh, northern and southern territories are well into corn. So um, this uh, late rain that we've been getting has, has definitely slowed the progress. Yeah. And uh, Jake, what do you see? What do you have? What do you, a little bit of your background, where you're from, and, and there you cover, and, and what do you see happen with harvest in your area? Yeah, I'm with Midwest Machinery 13 stores through central Minnesota. Um, harvest was delayed this year. It was frustrating to, um, with all the wet weather that we got. It just seemed like it didn't want to stop raining, which as the equipment dealer provides some opportunities, but I always want to see a, a good harvest. Um, so, yeah, like I said, a couple weeks delayed. I would say soybeans are about 90% off. We're seeing some left behind in some wet areas and that. Um, and and I put the corn progress at 40 to 50% uh, completion. You know, we got some other crops in our area, too, and some edibles, and, you know, that's pretty well wrapped up by now. Some some potatoes, um, same thing there. But, you know, now we're, we're struggling to get the last of the soybeans and to get uh, corn harvest uh, to continue on. So, so Brent, what are you seeing in your area? Oh, um, well, with AHW, we're 16-store location with uh, 15 ag stores spread out north to south on the eastern side of the state of Illinois, and then uh, three stores right on the Illinois-Indiana state line, located center part of the state of Indiana. And um, north to south, what we're seeing is the northern end of uh, northern end of the territory in Illinois, very slow harvest, um, lots of rain as of late. Central part of the territory where I'm at, again, Steady, but steadily slow. Southern end of the territory also got hit with some rains and uh, have slowed things up. I would say we're in the 90% done with beans, healthy start on corn, but uh, looking like a long road to hoe to get this uh, corn crop out. And the same can be said in Indiana for the most part in our territory there. it's uh, This weather persists like this. It'll be a while before we're done yet. So as far as yields, are you guys – are you're – your guys having pretty good yields or you're behind normal averages or what, what's the crop condition looks like? Uh, for us here with AHW, I would say we're having 
good yields to very good yields. Um, there's been a few disappointments on some. So we had a fair bit of replant in corn, especially in the Illinois side of things. And there's been some disappointments there, but by and large, uh, everybody's pretty happy with the yields coming out of the field, corn and beans. This is the second year in a row we've seen some pretty fantastic bean yields, and uh, we're kind of in the heart of the corn belt. So our corn yields always pretty pretty good here. It's hard to complain about corn in Illinois. Yeah, it would be, uh, I would love to have your corn yields where I'm at. That would be amazing. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> Jake and Chris, what do you guys seen as far as crop condition goes? Is is, is the yields looking pretty good? And and, and what is uh, what's the overall you know kind of pulse of your of your of your producers? Well, for Midwest, we uh, we get thirteen storms, so we got a pretty sizable footprint, and and um, we got some extreme sand conditions and then we got some really uh good heavy soil uh, i would say for the most part uh, across uh all of our varying conditions we're seeing some pretty decent yields um you know everyone's got a disappointment here and there but by and large uh i, I think that there's um some guys pretty happy with the yields they're seeing Christmas. Yeah, and here, here, here in Indiana, we've been seeing, um, you know, a lot of great, uh, very great yields on the corn side. The bean yields have been a little more disappointing, and, and our, our soil content's a little sandier north and a little heavier clay towards the south, um, and, and no big variation as far as the, the yield per crop. Um, all corn has been great. The beans have been a little disappointing, though. Yeah, I mean, I would say I would probably echo that here. This this harvest season right now is like the harvest season that won't die. It is uh, even out here in Western Nebraska. There's been a lot of issues with uh, with weather. That's that's kind of caused a uh, a slowdown in the marketplace or in the, as far as harvest goes. Um, our corn hasn't dried down like it should um, as fast as it should have. Uh, we've had a this morning was we've had four or five frosts. This morning was our first really hard frost of the year. It was, uh, I think, 18 degrees this morning when I when I got up and came to work. So um, that's going to be good, help dry some stuff down. We, you know, we're real big into sugar beets out here and edible beans. And, you know, guys are trying to dig beets, pick beans, and and cut a little bit of corn. So um, they got about, I'm trying to get the last cutting of, of hay up too. So um, it's been a uh, very hectic, you know, last couple weeks, or last month really. And um, it's just more and more... You know, just things just keep dragging on a little bit more, a little bit more. So hopefully after this frost for us, um, you know, things will kind of get kicked into high gear. What do you guys see Are you from a <clears throat> kind of where you're at as far as harvest goes for the year? Are you guys way behind where you should be or are you kind of not quite kind of caught up, but not, you know, kind of what's your what's your feel for that? Here in Indiana, I would say, um, you know, as a whole, we're about where we need to be. Um, like I said, prior to our northern locations and our southern locations are well above where they need to be. Our central area seems like it's a little farther behind um, just because of the rain content that I think has, has come on late. So Yeah, for Midwest Machinery, Central Minnesota, again, it's, uh, I would say we're about two weeks behind average. Um, we're, we're getting it. What Maybe a little bit concerning is just how wet it is to be able to 
get some good tillage, good fall tillage done. You know, we, we start seeing these temperatures dropping down and, and ground freezing up, but with it being so wet, you know, I'm not sure that we're going to see the tillage practices that we would like to see to set us up for a, a strong 2018. But, you know, of course, there's lots of variables and things that can happen in that, but that'd be about where we're at. I would uh, I would have to agree with both Chris and Jake on Chris and the fact that uh, we've got parts of our territory that are behind on harvest. And then uh, I would agree with, with Jake. Uh, we're what feels like and looks like way behind on tillage. Um, you know, we're in the final stretch of beans. But uh, there are pockets in our territory from north to south where they're, they're still fighting to get beans out here immediately around my store. We're, we're pretty well wrapped up with beans. One more good day, we would be done. But uh, still a lot of bushels of corn to get out of the field, a lot of acres to cover, but a shocking amount of tillage that needs done yet. Let's take a look at, at just some, some areas. So let's take a look at the auction market right now. So when you guys are looking at the auction market right now, how, how is that affecting your business? What is your customer's kind of approach to, to auction, the auction marketplace and, and um, kind of what's that look like for you going towards the end of the year? Well, um, I guess here in Indiana, we're, we're surrounded by quite a few private uh, wholesalers. So that market, the, the, the wholesale and auction market has definitely affected our uh, retail market. We see um, a, a lot of um, private, uh, like I said, private wholesalers coming in and, and driving our retail customers to the auction. So, um, you know, I guess I, I foresee a strong auction in our area um, auction presence from from the North Territory to the Southern port, portion towards the end of the year. And how do you see that affecting your business? I mean, is it something that you're just kind of used to since you're surrounded by so many, or is it you see there's going to be a an abnormally high spike in the in the auction market going towards the end of the year? I, I think that it's it's something we're used to, and it's it's kind of common towards the end of the year. Honestly, we've got uh, like I said, quite a few auction houses that uh, have a really strong November and December sales. Um, like I said, we're kind of used to it at this point. Uh, just we try to capitalize on those opportunities uh, before the the auctions happen, and even if we've got some equipment we need to get moved before the end of the year, that's that's a route we take. So, yep. All right, uh, Jake, what are you seeing out your way? Well, I haven't seen a crazy amount pop up. I don't really think it's more or less than usual. Um, I, I would anticipate that come early December, we'll, we'll see a lot more equipment getting those uh, auctions. But it doesn't really change what we're going to do. You know, we do what we do and, you know, um, stick with what we're, we're good at. And certainly the market has evolved uh, significantly at least in my opinion, over the last five to ten years with, you know, the opportunities out there in, in auctions and, and, you know, the our buyers becoming very internet savvy and, and that I get it, that's that's okay. Um, but we still got to remember what we're good at and what we, we stick with that and what our value proposition is in the marketplace. So, yeah, we watch auctions to kind of, determine value and stuff like that, but we're not going to let that significantly impact our decision-making and how we run our business. Right. 
and you can't. You can't let let dictate that, but that's that's right. So, uh, Brent, what do you see happening your area? Um, we've got from north to south in three areas. There, the northern end of our territory is a a permanent auction site that uh, can be painful at times. And then here in my ter- part of the territory, similar private party individual, and then who uh, has really upped what he buys and sells and He's a strong competitor, and the southern end of our territory, again, another fixed fixed auction site permanent that at the end of the year is always always uh, something to be aware of what they have there. So maybe if we're catching calls on like machines that we know that that machine's going to sell at an auction on this date in December, we if we want a chance at it, we need to be aware, just be conscious of what what's out there and what's selling. Um, that being said, they're so permanent. They're, they're very prevalent. They're always in the, in the wings, if you will. And, uh, we're not letting it drive what we do. Uh, we will, if need be capitalize on an auction. If we're long on some stuff that needs new homes or move down the road, we'll absolutely capitalize on it in a limited scale, handful of pieces here and there. But, uh, as far as customer buying, I'll, Again, echo what the other guys have said, that it's educated the customers. You just need to be aware of what they're doing, but it's really not going to affect our day-to-day or our year-end. They're, they're there. They happen every month. It's kind of part of the game at this point. So, What are, what are you guys seeing right now as far as uh, <clears throat> like on-farm auctions kind of coming towards the end of the year and, and retirement sales? Are you seeing a, little, a few more retirement sales than you've seen in the past, or do you, does it feel like it's about the same consistency? Um, here in Indiana, we've had uh, we've had a couple um, this year, but nothing uh, out of the ordinary. The one thing I've I've noticed as of lately is the uh, farm auctions are bringing quite a bit more than uh, you know a private auction or anything like that. A auction off a dealer lot. Um, the 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 farm auction ha- has been really helping the values of used equipment lately. Uh, Jake? Yeah, I, I guess uh, I would say my my take is that it's actually probably a little bit less than what I had seen over the last 18 months. Um, you know, some of our more progressive farms with multiple generations, it seems like they're wising up and doing some succession planning, which is cool to see, um, rather than, you know, just having the auction and moving on. There's a next generation there to take it over, even though it is tougher times. But I guess that gives those guys some opportunities to move into the equipment, um, maybe a little bit less money, uh, having having to pay off the siblings or whoever else on huge equipment dollars or land dollars or whatever it is. So I I guess I I see some succession planning and things like that going on, but I, I really haven't seen a, a ton of auctions popping up, uh, you know, the private stuff. So I think that's good just to see that equipment staying on the farm and not not continuing to flood the marketplace. Um, I would have to say that I feel like the, the on-farm auction is up slightly. I'm not going to speculate on the reasons, but the the thing I've noticed over the last at least 12 months, if not 
farther back, but is the caliber of the machinery at these on-farm auctions. Uh, I'm sitting at my desk looking at a Sullivan Auctioneer sale bill, and I don't think there's a piece in there that's older than a 2013. So it seems to be the high end, late and low is what I see coming through the on-farm auctions as of lately, at least the last 12 months. And that's, like I said, I, I think they're up slightly, but what's surprising to me is the caliber of machinery that I'm seeing go through there, which in turn I think isn't all a bad thing for us at the dealership because those high-end, clean, late, and low seem to bring a premium. So the argument could be made they're not necessarily a deal any much more of a value proposition of buying off an auction than if they come to me. So that's that's what I'm seeing in our part of the world. Right. <clears throat> yeah, I'd echo about everything that you guys are saying right now. It seems like there is – I'm not seeing as many on – well, we, I'm not going to say that. I mean, there are some on-farm on uh, stuff going on right now. We have some few guys that are retiring and, and – uh, you know, cashing their chips in and 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 going to go ahead and and uh, you know, cash rent their ground or whatever it is that they're going to do. Um, not too many. The ones that we have that are that are doing that now, there aren't. There's no one coming back to the farm to take to, to take it over. So <clears throat> we have a uh, we have a a uh, a pretty good amount of stuff like that going on, but I don't think it's going to affect our marketplace any more than would than it would than it would have done in the past, right? Um, to echo your points about the amount of equipment that's on there that, that is late and low hour stuff, um, I, I find that to, to my my opinion that's a positive thing. I've said in previous podcasts that that if you're going to try to to sell something on auction and it was going to be a late and low hour uh, piece of equipment, odds are you were probably going to do pretty good on it because there's no competitive pressure out there um, compared to like you know fourteen fifteen when. Every dealer in North America was was flooding the market with with uh, late model stuff, trying to clean up their inventories. Right now, there's there's not a lot of that going on, and um, so that's that's fortunate for uh, for a lot of us. So um, I feel like the the auction market is actually driving kind of a premium back to the dealership because uh, of what they can buy for at the auction, and then what that they can get it for at the at the dealership and in the various. Um, programs that we can offer them you know whether it be extended warranty programs or cheap financing or <clears throat> whatever it might be we have a lot more um to offer them than what the auction does so i i feel like we're driving some 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 stuff there now i say that with you know you're not going to get a ton more you're not going to get eighty thousand dollars more than the auction but you're going to get a fair amount more than the auction value is out there so I feel I feel pretty good about the auction market moving into the end of the year and how that's going to affect my business a lot like what you guys said. So, um, okay. So now we've talked about let's talk about just from the retail marketplace and and kind of what you feel from your producers going into twenty eighteen or going in through the end of the year. How do you feel um, the bushels you guys are seeing and, and the overall um, feel for your producers? What do you see happening uh, from your retail marketplace? Moving into uh, the end of end of twenty seventeen. Um, again, here in Indiana, uh, from from what I can tell, we've always had an experience that if a if a farmer is picking high bushel corn, the price affects a little bit, but not as much as if if um, they're picking a lower bushel um, crop. 
So I feel that uh, the end of the year and even uh, the beginning of 18 can be a pretty strong, uh, a lot of strong opportunities for us. Uh, we've already seen an uptick in uh, new inventory um, interest and, uh, you know, in inventory that we have sitting on the lot as well. Um, you know, I don't think it's going to shock anybody by saying, hey, there's still categories of our used inventory that we're, we're trying to focus on and, and get worked out um, by the end of the year. But I think the retail market going to stand to have a good strong November and, and December and first uh, first quarter of 18 in Indiana. Yeah, as far as uh, expectations, uh, you know, Midwest Machinery, Central Minnesota um, yields, like, like you said, I think that helps drive uh, some business and, and uh, you know, that's what farmers put a, a seed in the ground for to get a yield and and so that helps with a little bit of the emotional part of the the business um so i think we'll see some opportunities uh generated there um i don't expect anything crazy on any particular um market really um the we had some guys spending some money just to prepare to get through a wet fall and so maybe maybe they pull back a little bit on, on what they spend come end of November and December, but I think that there will be some equipment moving and, and changing changing hands, but not anything wild, you know. Um, and, and you ask me tomorrow, I might tell you something a little bit different too. But in fact, a, a year ago, um, when I was, when we're looking at uh, EOP and and harvest equipment and the number of combines and stuff we had on order, order you know i thought we we're going to see you know the combine market you know strengthen we haven't seen that strong for a long time at least been a long time since i felt really really good about that but um that never really came to be it seems like you know whoever's setting and you know long on combines is going to set the market and then we're going to deal with that and decide if if we're going to play ball or not. Um, but I think there'll be opportunities there. I don't know that uh, there's any one specific area that stands out to me, though. Well, I would have to dust off my crystal ball here, but uh, I I kind of agree with Chris that uh, much like a economics professor told me in school, you can't sell bushels you don't have. So generally speaking, spirits are higher, when there's bushels, um, and we're in that situation where a vast part of the territory has had better than expected yields. And, uh, I think that's going to continue the trend for the class up, you know, in combines, we saw it before last harvest, the big push to the class eights and class nines. Uh, I think these bushels that were taken in out of the field, that's going to, that's going to drive some sales. These bushels in the field are going to drive some sales. Um, November, December time frame to even if it's not class up, it'll be upgrading years and hours. I think this uh, weather event, this, these rains as of late, I think, I hope that drives some sales on uh, high horsepower articulated four-wheel drives or 9RTs or 9RXs, you know, just high horsepower tillage tractors. I think, like I said, there's a lot of work to get done yet. Um, 
we could see a, a spur in those late moving into 18. Uh, I think optimistically we've got a nice selection of some planters treated in and we'll, uh, you know, January, February is a great time to sell used planters if they're not already sold. And what we still have left, I think, uh, those high technology planters will sell, sell early and correspondingly. So upgrade the tractor to pull it. So that's, that's my outlook going into the first part of 18 is selling the technology of the planters, uh, selling the tractors to pull them, you know, they kind of go hand in hand. So you want to run 10 miles an hour, it takes a horse in front of it. Yeah, I'd agree. Yeah, see, I would, I would agree with Brent there. You know, the, uh, I do think that there's going to be some opportunities with, uh, planters. Um, you know, we're, we're sitting in a healthier marketplace than we were a few years ago. And, you know, we know that these planters haven't gotten any cheaper, but there's a ton of value in, in the, these planters and the technology that we have now. And things to talk about, you know, for our sales guys with customers, and if if you know our customers are looking for a tool for return on investment, I think Planner is you know where it's at. So I I would agree. I think there there'd be some opportunity there for us for sure. Yeah, I'm it, for us it seems like guys that you never would have thought would justify or entertain such a high end use planner, they come out of the weeds. They just come out, surprise you. Like you, you, the guys I sometimes least expect to be interested in those very high dollar, uh, high speed planners. They, they seem to be, I don't want to say lining up, but there's more shockingly more activity than I thought there would be on the used market for those. Well, and they're driving, they're driving a premium from what we've seen, uh, over here in Indiana. They, the, uh, like you guys, Tamir, what you said, you know, the the, correct, the high technology planners are driving a premium. If it's a base planner, we, we've seen a difficult time trying to move those products. Uh, agreed. Unless, once you get over the certain year where you can upfit with the retrofit kits. But, again, I would agree with you, Chris, that uh, if it's kind of base model, it, it just is what it is there. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, I think planners, in my opinion, are, are absolutely the, the one thing right now that we can go talk to customers about that is far and away one of the one of the best things out there. I mean, we have so much so much to offer when it comes to that, and and um, I you know I think planning windows are going to start driving these these high speed planners uh, out to front of guys and. Um, I probably said it wrong the last time we talked about this on my podcast, but it was, uh, I think it's going to decrease the number of rows on the farm, not necessarily the size of the planter. So I think there's a lot of guys that are running maybe, uh, you know, two or, or three planters right now, and they might be able to take that <clears throat> two or three planters down to, to, uh, you know, one or two, you know, it might have a 24 row, you know, two 24 rows. And they might go to like a 12 row and a 24 row or a just a straight up 24 row by itself um and, and because of the speed and the efficiency that they're going to be able to uh, plant with now so i'm really excited about planters i think if we're going to have any any big uh movement in our marketplace when it comes to used equipment that guys are going to be out looking for hardcore that's going to drive other 
uh, sales, it's going to be it's going to be the planner. So um, it's going to be a it's going to be fun to see how that plays out. Oh, Casey, I would agree. We we we've seen that here in Melvin uh, that exact scenario, going from two large planners, ninety footers to two uh, two sixty footers. Um, yeah, I made the statement many a time that you'll never get a, a farmer to give up whip on a planner. Well, I was wrong on that one, but uh, we we've seen the number of planners decrease and just go to high speeds. Yeah, I, I just think it's, game, it's just such a game changer. You know, when you start looking at yeah. The, the speed and, and accuracy that these planters are, are, are capable of now. It's just, I don't think there's a better planter in the marketplace than what deers produce, personally. Right. You hit the nail on the head, the accuracy. That, that's that got even the most skeptical guys convinced. Right. right. Yep. Okay. Well, um, so let's take a look at, so we've talked about 17, kind of what we see happening through there. Going into 18, where do you feel like some of your, your big – um, strengths are going to be and, and where you feel like some of your struggles are going to be uh, going into 18 and throughout that year kind of looking ahead if you're going to be in used equipment everybody gets a crystal ball right and, and, and when that kind of part of the the first day on the job everybody got that crystal ball I seem to have misplaced mine though. I can't quite find mine anymore uh, yeah I must, have, I must have lost mine there Casey uh. <laughs> yeah um my, my thinking is, you know, I'm probably not telling anybody anything they don't know here, but, uh, you know, obviously used tillage has been something we really need to be focusing on. It seems like our used tillage equipment is, has been kind of soft lately and uh, along with four-wheel drives. And maybe it's because, uh, back to the previous comments that were made, that our harvest is, is delayed and we haven't seen a very much tillage work this year. But uh, moving into 18, that's definitely going to be a focus for us on our use side. Um, a couple strong areas, uh, like, like we've talked to you know, planters, uh, used combines. We've been able to move our used combines very well, and I think we're going to hopefully be able to continue that, uh, that mapping. Um, so, uh, I guess moving forward is, you know, overall just trying to focus on the four wheel drives and tillage. So, yeah, yeah I guess, uh, this is a used equipment deal, right, Casey? So I vent a little bit about that. I, you know, we all get caught chasing market share, and um, you know, I understand it. It's it's good, and you know, we got to make those evaluation decisions, you know, for our businesses. But you know, we we get caught uh, uh, chasing that a little bit and, and making some decisions that the marketplace isn't necessarily pushing for, and that. You know, create some uh, button of inventory, you know, across certain product segments, I think. And, you know, that that's where our challenge is, I think. You know, just continuing to evaluate and reevaluate, you know, what's the best thing for a business and um, deciding whether, you know, to pursue that or not. And um, instead of letting the, the marketplace dictate, you know, really the, the retail business that we're doing. So I'll let you deduce what you want from that. <laughs> right on. Okay. Keith, you got to have to say our our bright spots for eighteen. Obviously, the planters, um, sprayers. You know, sprayers are always good business for us. Um, Hagee's a bright spot. That seems to be getting stronger by the day. I only see that getting better through eighteen. 
Um, and then uh, the late and low big capacity combines. Uh, those are going to continue to be a bright spot. Pain points, I agree with Chris completely that tillage is going to be, I, I predict, horribly painful. Um, whether it's spring or fall, I think it's all going to be kind of ugly. Um, for me, it's the other one that uh, four-wheel drives, articulated four-wheel drives, going to have to watch that closely to keep in front of this and just staying on top of the, the age of the inventory, keeping that in check. And having a game plan, like you always preach, have a game plan to get out of it. That always seems to be a bit of a struggle. We maybe hang on a little longer than we should, but, uh, you know, just being aware of it's half the battle sometimes. So keeping our eye on it and keep it moving. That's uh, that's my pain points for the year, I think. Well, I think for me, you know, when I look at our inventory and what I see happen in 18... 18- you know, I, w- I would probably echo a lot of what your your statements are. You know, we, you know, we market shares is a very big part of our business, and it's always something we're going to do. And we're always going to make decisions um, around that, and and how that's going to affect our business. You know, it is what it is, and it's something you're always going to have to have. The, the positive thing about the market share deal is that you have to have market share to, to build a uh, machine population and. The more that you can build, the better your parts and service stuff is going to be. So there is, there is some positive things about market share, but it also makes sometimes I feel like market share does um, drive you to do things that may or may not be a, may a good thing at the particular moment in time. Um, long run, you know, I look at our our inventory. Some of the struggles we're going to have is, is going to be our inventory um, on. Two sides. We our inventory levels, as far as I'm concerned, on paper, dollar amount wise, we probably are. We're in a great spot. The problem is our mix isn't that good. So now we're always trying to find the the quality used equipment that you can bring. Not necessarily the two and three hundred hour stuff, but more like the the fifteen hundred hour row crop tractor or the you know the two thousand hour four wheel drive stuff like that. You know, where we're trying to find those those spots where the guy has a has a four thousand hour machine and he wants to trade it down to a a 1500 hour or 2000 hour or 1200 hour machine or something like that. Those are some struggles that we're going to have going into 18 and, and making that stuff happen. Um, we have an insurgent right now of guys looking for used nine RXs and, um, trying to find those where we can buy those and trade for those that where it makes sense for, for the dealership and for the end user. Um, been watching some some online auctions and those things selling, and they're bringing a lot more money than I ever would have guessed they would have brought, just based on you know the the flat track. I'm sorry, the the two track systems and and, and the articulated four wheel drive. So um, maybe there's some opportunity with the uh, Niner X out there. Use Niner Xs and what that looks like. Uh, in 18, I think is going to be pretty positive. I'll echo um, Brent's statement about about planners. You know, we're going to have a a strong uh, used planner market, I, I think, uh, as far, and we won't really see that kind of rear its ugly head till uh, till December, January, February, and that, that's going to drive that marketplace for us. So, um, you know, but I think maybe some weak points for us are going to be um, some of the age of our inventory and, and making sure we got that correct, and, and and watching that, and making sure that the plans we have laid out, laid out, we, we stick to and follow, and. And try to be as profitable, profitable as we can, um, but also be as responsible as we can too with what we've got. So, um, I'm I think 18, in my opinion, is going to be a lot like 17 was, um, and I don't see a lot of change as far as 
you know, on-farm income goes. I've read all kinds of stuff about on-farm income going up, but um, quite frankly, the the folks that I deal with and, and we see, I, they're not they're not showing that um, when we see <clears throat> we take a look out there. So, um, but also guys right now are, are ultra conservative and having to be creative with uh, the way we look at financing and getting these guys going and and using extended warranties and the stuff that that PowerGuard won't cover. We use products like Machinery Scope to uh, to uh, to extend those out, you know, and and look at the machines um, that are older than, than what PowerGuard will cover. And so I think 18, I'm I'm pretty positive that things are going to be uh, in a good position. It's just uh, you got to be creative and, and think outside the box to help these guys be profitable and be efficient. And uh, and that's what we're that's what we're here to do as dealers. Yeah, I agree. That, you know, the concept that um, you know rebalancing the inventory. So, Casey, if you could use some really nice late model Midwestern utility tractors, I got some for you. So, you just let me know. <laughs> Those utility tractors, man. I tell you, state contracts have got us got us about where we need to be at. So, we're <laughs> <laughs> you too? That's weird. <laughs> we're we're. We're doing good on those. <laughs> well, if anyone knows that, you can pass along my information, right, Casey? <laughs> okay, I'll do that. <laughs> Casey, you were speaking briefly about 9RXs. I agree they're fantastic. Use inventory to sell, but my, my pain point with 9RXs, unfortunately, has been uh, 9RXs begat quad tracks. And uh, when you figure out where to move those, let me know because those are that's a pain point. Yeah, that's a pain point. Yeah. I think there's a lot of those. There's a lot of those quad tracks, case quad tracks out there that are really uh, can can hurt when you when you don't trade for them, Chris. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're painful all the way around. Yeah, those are. That's one of those things where we're trying to figure that out, you know, and that's. There are a lot of case quad tracks to be had out there, and, and of course that machine population is quite a bit higher than nine oxes because they've had them out there longer. But um, it's hard to find a, when I, you know, I look at those quad tracks and, and trying to find what to do with them and where to take with them, and then also being able to be competitive when you make the trade. It's it's uh, that's tough sometimes too. But I think uh, um, if it was easy, everybody could do it. I guess that's, that's the, you know, right, right. Yeah. So, well, um, you guys have any any other thoughts on on twenty eighteen and what that what that looks like for you guys? Well, guys, I appreciate you being on my podcast. That's going to do it for this edition of the Moving Our Podcast. I'd like to thank Chris, Jake, and Brent for being being a guest on my episode. Remember, if you want to continue any of these conversations, you can hit me up on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or you can send me an email at Moving Iron Podcast at MovingIronPodcast dot com. You can also find this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, Intune Radio, and SoundCloud. So until next time, let's go move some iron. This is Casey Seymour, out.